Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. We're excited about uh, 39 years. I mean, I just think about that. I just kind of believe, what do you do for 39 years though? What is that? Is that like, you know, I know there's like silver and <laughs> gold and wood and crystal and all that. I don't know, 39 years. I'm trying to look ahead to 40 years next year, but not to overlook the significance of 39 years uh, here. Um, honestly, I was looking at what is, that, what is that significance of the number 39? So auto- automatically what came to mind, I'm thinking in the scripture and, and everything has meaning and intentionality to it. I'm thinking, okay, maybe I can develop, maybe there's a, maybe there's a message to develop around 39 and I'm looking, Googling and I'm, I'm looking at my Bible and I'm just asking, praying. And the only thing I could think of at 39 was Jesus took 39 stripes on his back. And I'm like, I don't know how I worked at an anniversary service. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of sacrifice and suffering and like not this year and maybe you're thinking that's exactly what this year has been so far and uh but I want to say that even in the midst of that and I'm not going to go there today but you know even in the midst of that God turned that around to something beautiful and something powerful um God has a way of taking every situation and doing something amazing with it he doesn't create and cause some of those things but uh, I believe he'll take that with faithful people and the promises of God and turn it around to something that will glorify and honor him uh, today, I want to look at a passage of scripture that I really feel is a word in season for tree on uh, where we are, where we're going, I believe. And as I've asked God to just uh, give me a word for tree life on our 39th anniversary, um, I, I felt this rise up in my heart, get on your feet. And uh, I don't mean it in a way that we've been kind of uh, lazy, we've been kind of sitting back, we've been kind of coasting. I don't mean that. In fact, I believe we've been working even probably harder in some regard than we've worked uh, just because of the circumstances of the day. But I believe it's, it's a charge, it's a reminder to you and I. It'll make more sense as we navigate the message today. Get on your feet. One thing. I hear in this time being said all the time, and it doesn't matter where we are, and we've traveled a little bit um, in this, these times that we've had off. I hear this all the time from people. I was like, well, when I get back on my feet, I get back on my feet. Um, how's your business? Well, we, we're waiting to get back on our feet. How's your pastors? How's your church ready? Just get back on our feet. How you doing as a family? We just want to get back on our feet. Everything's changed. Everything's different in our, our home now. Everything's, nothing's the same in, in school and who knows, in person, online, and all this stuff. And, and everything has changed and, and we just need to get back on our feet again. And I, I really felt the Lord speak to me and challenge us about getting on our feet. And um, I want to look at a passage today that I, help, I, I believe brings this to light, really emphasize this in Luke 7, 36 through 50. I'm going to read this passage for you. Then I'm going to go back and highlight a few things in it. Luke 7, this passage of scripture, Jesus has been invited to the house of Simon. Simon is a Pharisee of Pharisees. He's a religious leader. He is like the the top dog. He's like the elite of Pharisees and and a leader in the synagogue, if you will, um, a teacher uh, at the law. If you want to know anything about the law, anything, you would go to Simon. Simon was well-respected. He was wealthy. He was, uh, had a following of other leaders. He had kind of an entourage always. He was around. And he decided one day to invite Jesus over to his house for lunch. Understand that's something interesting. One or two reasons why you invite Jesus is something amazing is happening with Jesus and you want to find out what it is or you want to try and trap him. And so when you see in the scripture religious leaders as Simon's caliber, of Simon's caliber inviting Jesus, it was typically to try and trap him or to investigate him in some way, see what he's really made of. Who is this man really? Why are all these people following him? I believe that's kind of the scenario here. And Jesus is invited to, to lunch at Simon's house. Uh, Simon again, a Pharisee of Pharisees. 
And let me read this passage. So when Jesus, or actually when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life, and other translations will say, and if you study it, a prostitute, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Notice she came with a jar of perfume, but she came without an invitation. We'll get to that in just a moment. And she stood behind him, behind Jesus, at his feet, weeping, and she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, when the Pharisee, this is Simon, Simon said to himself, if this man, in other words, he's just thinking to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is and that she is a sinner. Jesus answered, don't you love this about Jesus? You don't have to say anything out loud. You can have a conversation with Jesus, not actually use words, right? And sometimes we like, I don't want to be around Jesus today because I don't want to know what I'm thinking, right? Okay, so he says, Simon, I have something to tell you. And so Simon turns to him and Simon says, <laughs> okay, Simon says, teacher, he said, Simon says, put your hand on your head. No, teacher, he said, two people, two people, Simon says, go to verse 41. No, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii. Let's just use dollars. It's, it's actually a, 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 a value greater than a dollar, but just for sake of conversation, $500, the other $50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Now, Simon replied, I suppose the one who had been had the bigger debt forgiven, and, Jesus, and it, you have judged correctly, Jesus said, good answer. Then he turned, now listen to this, then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house, you didn't even give water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not even give me a kiss, traditional way of greeting on the cheeks there. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. Now he's, now think back in, to his analogy earlier. Many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this man who forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. What an amazing story. I mean, as I've been in this story, it just seems to keep coming. I thought there's no way to tackle this in one moment, one uh, message. But I really feel there's something specific God wants to say today for you and I and for Tree of Life Church. Here is a religious leader, a leader of leaders, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He's invited Jesus over to his house for dinner. And um, he has this conversation unintentionally started uh, because this woman came in, a woman who has not been invited to the place, a woman who would never, never, ever be invited into the religious leader's home. And she begins to worship basically at Jesus' feet. She begins to um, do things and wipe uh, his, his feet with her hair. And she is broken and she is hurting and she has... Uh, brought her most prized possession, an alabaster jar. Understand an alabaster jar, when you had that, there was no way to open it and close it again. You broke it open and used its contents. It was for a special occasion. It was very expensive and very valuable, and it was probably the most valuable thing the woman had in her possession. She did not get an invitation, so somehow she saw, heard that Jesus was gonna be at this house. Maybe they're in front of the big window, and she saw the gathering, but nonetheless, she awkwardly, uncomfortably, 
uncomfortably came into a setting that she was not invited, that was full of religious people. And she found her way to Jesus' feet and she fell at his feet. The Bible says she was behind him. She was behind Jesus at his feet. And then Jesus had known what Simon was going to say, the pastor, if you will, the teacher, the religious man, what he was going to say, what he was thinking. If Jesus only knew, who does this man think he is? He obviously, I believe he was exposing what his intent was. This obviously is not of God because God would have known what kind of woman this was. And if God would have known what kind of woman this was, he would have nothing to do with this woman. Are you seeing that in the passage we just read? Here's the pastor of pastors, a Pharisee of Pharisees, questioning if this truly is a Messiah, the Son of God, by how he's treating a broken and hurt person. What has happened to the church in the world today? But Jesus is focusing on exactly the people he's here to love and minister to, and here's the church people not getting it. If you really were the Messiah, the soon coming King, the Son of God, you would have nothing to do as if to say, if you were really the Son of God, you would say, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, don't touch me, don't touch me, unclean woman, what are you doing? That is so inappropriate for you to be down there and doing that to my feet, go, 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 go. As if they were waiting for Jesus to rebuke her, the broken, hurting one in the room. Are you getting the picture here? And so Jesus has this amazing moment here that I believe he's speaking to us because let's just, before we want to judge, before we really want to judge Simon, let's be real careful for a second. Now Simon's not here on the planet any longer, obviously. He is where he is, but there's a little Simon probably in all of us, to be honest with you. And just how we look at people and see people that are different than we are. And we judge, and we're, there's a little judgmentalness, and, and we'll judge a book by its cover, and we'll look at someone's life, and we'll evaluate it, or we'll look at our own life and elevate it. And we'll look at our life in a sense of like, well, we're better than this or better than that, and I would never do this, I would never associate with that, and who do they think they are, and why are they here, and whatever that is. Listen, let's be honest, there's a little Simon in all of us. And probably there's a little Simon in every church because this isn't just a word for a religious leader because Simon wasn't there by himself with Jesus and this woman. Simon had his religious posse, his religious crowd, his buddies that followed him around and wanted to be like Simon. They wanted to be around the popular guy. They wanted to be around the, the, the authority. They, they followed him around and it would be all the who's who's of who's religious in that area gathered in his house. And whether you're gathered in this house or your house, this is a word for you. This is a word for tree of life. This is a word for all of us. There's a really a little Simon in all of us, and so I know Jesus is speaking not just to Simon of that day, but Simon of this day, Simon of our day. And look at what it says in Luke 7, 39. I wanted to start. This is my tie-in to the 39th anniversary. I'm going to start in the 39th scripture. There you go. How, how spiritual is that? Right, right there, right in line with the Holy Ghost. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, this is a, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus, in verse 40, answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Very few times in Scripture did Jesus ever stop the crowd, ever stop those gathering and say, I have something to say to you. Most of the time, Jesus just said it. Right? If you look at scripture, you'll find very few times where Jesus will intentionally stop everything that's happening and say, I have something I want to say to you. Now, I, I can't see Jesus pointing his finger at Simon, but I can see him say, hey, I want to have, I have something to say to you as if to just quiet the crowd. Hey, 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 quiet for a second. 
as if he's going to emphasize something, as if he's going to say, I need all of you to listen to me for one moment. I need all of you to focus and understand. I need your attention right now with what I'm going to say. You don't find that anywhere in scripture hardly. Maybe this is the only place where that Jesus actually says, I have something to say to you. And he says, and so Simon, of course, says, well, tell me, teacher. In the next verse, in verse 41, he gives this picture to Simon, to the church crowd that's gathered there in the house, to to, to you and I today. I hear Jesus say this. I hear Jesus say, Don, I have something to say to you. I I, I hear Jesus say, say to the Simon in me, to a religious part of us, to the judgmental part of me, the part of me that thinks I might be better than somebody else. Uh, Simon in you, Simon in me, Simon in this house and Simon in your house. I have something to say to you and I want you to hear this. And so Jesus on this time in scriptures we're setting it on the 39th anniversary says on this 39th anniversary tree of life pastor don tree of life i have something to say to you pay attention to this for a moment in the middle of lockdowns and quarantines and masks and social distancing in the middle of protests and riots and joblessness we have to pay attention jesus has something to say and he says this in verse 41 two people owed money to a certain money lender One owed him $500 and the other $50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them loved him more? Now, listen for one second. Don't think that the numbers 500 and and 50 are insignificant because actually the number five has something very significant in the Bible. The number five stands for grace. So whether it's 500 or 50, basically what I believe also is being said here, his grace is enough to cover any debt that you have. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? God's grace is enough to cover any debt that you have, whether it be 500 or 50, it doesn't matter to God, but here's what, who it matters to. It matters to the person on the other end. And so Simon says, well, obviously the one who had more debt to be forgiven of, the one who had a greater debt, the one who was worse off, he would say, and we all would say, well, of course. And so now the light bulb should have come on to Simon. And automatically, this is a $500 debt woman. Are you getting that? This is, this is someone who understood what she had been forgiven of, and so she went to great extreme to worship God in this way, and he's judging her for that, but he has no idea. He has no idea what she's been through. We have no idea what people have gone through when they walk in these doors. We have no idea what people are going through today. We have no idea. And, and what Jesus says, look at what he says, look what he says. He says uh, in verse 43, he says, I, the one who has bigger debt, and, and you've judged correctly. As, and Jesus will get here in a moment at the end of the story, as if the challenging Simon, well, Simon, do you remember what you've been forgiven of? Because I don't care who you are. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all have sin. We all have need of a savior. We all have need of something to be forgiven. So Jesus in this conversation is addressing in the moment the church people and telling him as if to say, don't forget what you've been forgiven of. Don't be consumed with yourself. Because there's people out there just like you were that had 500 debt problems. Jesus is the answer, and she knows that, and so she's come to worship Jesus, because what other hope does she have? And so here's the religious crowd, though, and they've forgotten, perhaps, 
what has happened? Can I be reminded, can I remind you today of what we've been forgiven? 39 years doesn't mean we coast. 39 years means we're even more determined and more diligent to do what God has called us to do because maybe you would judge yourself to say of only having a $50 debt, but there's people that have $500, $5,000, $5 million debts that need the good news. And we don't kick them out. And we don't avoid them. So Jesus is setting all this up. Can you see? Can you see the room at this moment? Can you see what's happening here? This is probably not anything what Simon anticipated it to be like. And I love this story in verse forty-four. I love this. I I I, I want to read it to you, and then I hope you see it. And I'll try and contain my excitement or my emotion. It says this, and at the beginning of the story, Jesus is, is talking to Simon as if facing, as if Simon's right here and Jesus is right here. And the Bible says the woman came up behind Jesus. Did you get that when we first started the story? She came up and fell at the feet behind Jesus and was anointing and kissing his feet. And so she's behind Jesus. And this whole time right now, Jesus had been addressing the religious crowd. He's been talking to the pastor. He's been addressing her. And at this point in the story, after he uses this analogy of she's there because she had so much debt to be forgiven. Don't you see that? Have you forgotten your debt? And then all of a sudden, Jesus does something significant. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? Picture this. Jesus is addressing the religious leader at this time. The woman is worshiping basically at his feet and doing all this. And then all of a sudden, Jesus turns. Do you see him pivot? He turns. Dr. Luke wrote it intentionally. He turns and he faces now the woman at his feet. And he puts his back to the religious man. But he keeps talking to the religious man. But now his focus is on the broken person. Do you see that? He's like, Simon, you have no idea. You must have forgotten what you've been forgiven. And then he turns and he starts talking to Simon and he starts commending the woman. Look at what he says. He says, do you see this woman? Simon's back. Do you see this woman, Simon? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, which is of custom. That's what happened when you came in their house. A servant would wash their feet because they've been dirty from traveling. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Back to Simon, still talking to Simon. You didn't give me a kiss, a traditional greeting of of respect on each cheek. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. Simon, without looking at Simon, talking to the religious crowd, but focus on the hurting. You didn't... You did not pour oil on my head, which is what they would do to help it being untangled and dirty and help kind of clean it up. You didn't pour oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, still looking at her, back to Simon, but talking to Simon. Her sins, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Why do you, Simon, why do you think she's doing this? Why why do you think that she's doing this, going to this extreme? Because she knows what she's been forgiven. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. You get the picture? Do you see the pivot? That moment where Jesus went from addressing the religious crowd to all of a sudden now facing and focusing the broken and hurting, but still, still speaking to a religious crowd. But what is he doing? He's honoring the broken. 
We want to be honored. The religious crowd, Simon, thank you for having me over. Oh, you're great. I cannot believe I've been invited to the Pharisee of Pharisees. What a beautiful home you have. I just can't, I, I, I hope I get invited back. This is amazing. You're so great. You must be a great man. Look at all the people that you have following you. You know what he did? Who did he honor? Who was the guest of honor? Was Simon the guest of honor in his own house? No. Was Jesus the guest of honor in Simon's house? No. Who was the guest of honor because of what Jesus did? It was the broken and the hurting. The guest of honor in the house of God is the broken and the hurting. And yes, we can still speak to the religious people and we can't, but we have to focus on the broken and the hurting. Tree of life, listen to what I say, Jesus says. We can speak to the religious people, but only to remind them of why we're here and what we do and what we've been forgiven. But make no mistake about it, our focus needs to be on the broken and the hurting. They are the guests of honor. They are who we need to celebrate and love because you know what? They know they're broken. They know they're hurting. You know what Jesus was doing? He was honoring her being forgiven. Simon was focused on performance. Simon was more about why she shouldn't be there. Simon was more about, what about us? What about us that are living right? What about us that are doing what we're supposed to be doing? What, 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 what about us that, that meet all the time? What, what about us that give all the time? What about us that start, hey, I get it. But Jesus was saying right now, the honor was the broken and the hurting. And tree life, I could say anything. This year, 39 stripes, the suffering, the sacrifice, 39, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. Why? Because it's for the broken and the hurting to find help and healing. Because if there hadn't been 39 stripes, there wouldn't be forgiveness, there wouldn't be healing, there wouldn't be a covenant, there wouldn't be bloodshed for the broken and the hurting to have a hope and a help where there's nowhere else to turn. And so our 39th year needs to be marked with honoring and focusing on the broken and the hurting. Oh yes, we've celebrated much. Oh yes, we've done much to get to this point. But let's not lose sight of what's most important. And let's make sure that in our house, the broken and the hurting are honored guests. Let's make sure in your house, because if you're not ready to in person gathering again, I totally get it and love you, respect it, but make sure in your house, the broken and the hurting are honored. You may not feel comfortable in a gathering like this, but you know what? You can have a smaller gathering at your home with people you do feel comfortable with. And I will bet you, you know broken and hurting people because we've all been broken and hurting. We've all been broken and hurting. 39 years. What's this year to be marked by? Honoring the broken and hurting. Yes, we can still speak to each other, but it's not our focus. We need to pivot. Is this the year, and I'm not saying that we're not already doing it, but is this the year that instead of facing here, we start facing here? Is this the year that tree of life stands to its feet and pivots? We need to get back on our feet. I know it doesn't look like what it used to look like. 
I, I know I don't know what it's going to look like tomorrow. I know things are changing constantly. I know there's so much uncertainty. I know we're in an unprecedented times. But listen, it's time to get on our feet. Because here's the thing we need to know. What's interesting to me in this passage of Scripture, it is about forgiveness, but it's about feet. <laughs> that sounds funny, right? But listen, in the ESV version, which I chose today, feet is mentioned seven times. She was at his feet. She, you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she cried tears on my feet. She wiped my feet with her hair. You didn't give me anything to wipe my feet. You, you, she, she poured perfume on my feet. I think it's kind of humorous in one sense, but I think it's powerful in another. When you look at the feet right here, he's talking about feet. Who is the, what is the feet of Jesus today? The church. Are we not the feet of Jesus today? The feet speaks to the church and mission. Are we not to be on mission? Our feet carry us where we need to go. Are we not to be the feet and hands of Jesus today? Are his feet moving towards the broken? Are his feet moving towards a lost humanity? Are his feet seeking out those who have $500,000 million sin? Are his feet staying put in a place of comfort? In a place that we're all in some way in the knowledge of Christ because it's comfortable there. Are his feet moving towards the ones that don't look like us? Are his feet moving towards the one who have no idea who Jesus is or what Christianity is all about? We are the feet of Jesus. We need to be moving towards this world. We need to get on our feet. We need to be a church on its feet. Is Jesus trying to send us a message? I got to get on my feet. Oh, I've been knocked down. When I get on my feet again, no, you get on your feet right now. When this pandemic's over, no, right now is the time to be on our feet and, and point and face the broken world. Right now is the time for you and your house to be on your feet and face a broken world. We're going to face, we're going to walk into 39th anniversary on our feet because we are the feet of Jesus and we have a message. Are we going to face the church only? Are we going to face the broken world? So what we do is we get on our feet and that speaks of position. I've been, I've been knocked down. I, I, I've been, I've been sitting this one out. I, I've been waiting for some time to do something, but can I tell you when you're on your feet, you're in position. If you're not on your feet, you're not in position. I remember I played uh, high school at New Braunfels, high school, uh, baseball at New Braunfels. I played high school too. I just, you know, kind of a game a little bit. I lost mostly, but anyway, so I, I played baseball at New Braunfels High School, and one thing our coach always preached to us before every pitch, be in position, be in position. If you're just standing flat-footed with your hand, your glove on your hip, and the ball's pitching and it's hit, and you don't get to react, you're out of position. Listen, we need to be on our feet and in position. We are positioned. If you know who you are in Christ, where your position is in Jesus, then you are to be on your feet in every circumstance. 
I don't care if there's a pandemic. I don't care if the enemy's coming in like a flood. My position does not change because it's rooted in Christ, not in who I am. I have greater authority in my position in the midst of a dark world than I do laying down, sitting down anywhere else. Be in position. Get on your feet. The second thing we need to do, we need to get on our feet and be in position, and we need to pivot. We need to turn. We need to pivot. If we are facing and focus more on ourselves and us for no more, and we're focused more on comfort, and we're focused more, I can't wait to get back to church because I want to see all my church friends. I can't wait to gather together again with all the people I miss in my church. Hey, I get that. I miss everybody. Come back whenever you can. I love you. I miss you. But listen, let's make sure that we're not just focused right here in our own house, that we pivot and we focus now. We can still speak to each other in psalms, hymns, and spiritual psalms and encourage each other. The Bible says that. But listen, Let's face and focus on the loss and hurting. So get on your feet and get in a position and then pivot and make sure you're focused on the mission. And then the last thing we need to do, 39 years, proclaim. Because even though I've been gone for a few weeks, I still know pastors always make something either start with the same letter, position, pivot, proclaim. I had the same ending, so I haven't forgotten that. Proclaim. Proclaim. Because what is this message really truly all about? Forgiveness. Oh, we have the message of forgiveness. We can look at the story of 500 or 50. What is that message? He's telling the religious leader. He's telling those that have been forgiven much know what it means and they love much. He's talking about this woman came in. Don't you get it, Simon? The reason why she came in, because you see her as a prostitute, but I see her as valued and loved and precious and broken, and she has been forgiven. And so she has come without invitation and as awkward and breaking all the social faux pas you can and in uncomfortable as can be, pushed through all that to be at the feet of Jesus to worship him because she has been forgiven and she knows how bad she is. But can I tell you, Jesus is so good, his good is gooder than your bad. We have a message to proclaim. The only message that has forgiveness as its core, as its truth. I'm reminded then as I close in that because I'm also out of breath right now. Isaiah 52, 7. Look at this passage of scripture. How beautiful on the mountains are the What? How beautiful, my wife's favorite scripture, how beautiful on the mountains are the? Come on, what have we been talking about, people? How beautiful on the mountains are the? Feet, mission. What are they doing on the mountains of him who bring good news? They're proclaiming good news. Who proclaim peace? Who bring glad tidings of good things? Who proclaim salvation, forgiveness? We need to be on our feet and be in position to do in a position of who Jesus is, not who we are. And then we need to pivot from our comfort and face the broken and hurting. And then we need to proclaim the good news, the message of forgiveness, especially in the world today. That's who we are. What's your 39 going to look like? We're going to position ourselves like never before. We're going to walk in absolute authority God has given us, not in a righteousness of ourselves, but a righteousness in Jesus Christ. We're going to take that authority and we're going to take the fight to the devil. We're not going to sit back and play defensive. We're going on the offensive like never before. And we are not going to just focus on ourselves, although we are going to encourage each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. But we are going to make sure in the middle of this, when we just want to 
not allow anybody else in our circle, not let anybody. We don't know you, where you've been, who you've been with. We don't know. We're going to pivot and make sure we can still talk to each other, but we're going to pivot and make sure we're focused on the hurting. And then we're going to proclaim like never before. I know the world is crazy. I know fear is running rampant. I know that there, there's all kinds of uncertainty, but here's what's for certain. Jesus forgives. You can be forgiven of your sin. We've all sinned. We have a message of forgiveness that the world needs to hear. And we are going to proclaim that message louder than ever. All Jesus wants to do in this moment, this dinner party here in this house at this time, is talk about forgiveness. We're here to proclaim forgiveness, and we're supposed to proclaim forgiveness to those. We're supposed to proclaim forgiveness to those who don't think they can be forgiven. We're supposed to proclaim forgiveness to those who people have told you can never be forgiven. Aren't you so glad someone proclaimed forgiveness to you? And you know what? Your forgiveness may have just have offended somebody else. That's what's happened here. This whole church party that's happening right here in this moment is offended that this woman was forgiven. How quickly, listen to me for one second, I'm closing. How quickly can we go from being broken and forgiven to being Simon? And my heart this year is to create environments that we remember what it was like to be forgiven. Therefore, we reach out and share forgiveness to other people. I'm not going to be about an environment or a place that grows from forgiven to Simon. And the only way that we can do that is by being in position of who we are in Christ, by pivoting, focusing on the broken and the hurting, and by proclaiming forgiveness anywhere, everywhere, as loud as, as often as we possibly can. And that is our mission. And that is our year 39 or 40 for Tree of Life Church. Amen. Amen. God's a good and faithful God. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.